What happens when you take a redneck fishing guide and pair him up with a master beekeeper? Well, we're about to find out. Join our host Ken Milam and John Swan as they help you brave the sting of beekeeping to reap the sweet rewards. This is The Hive Jive. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know why. <laughs> I know we're recording now, but yeah. I don't know why I, I do that. But I did see an interview the other day, and I went through and read it. Just And I knew, like, don't read this. It's going to piss you off. <laughs> and yeah, it did. did. <laughs> so, good morning. Good morning, sir. How are you? I am good. First and foremost, let's go through and give a much appreciated shout out to our newest Patreon members. We have joining us now, William S., Tony R., Kim W., and Susan S. Thank you all so much for joining us here on Patreon. We greatly appreciate that. And hopefully you find lots of good things out there to help you on your journey, as well as a lot of entertainment along the way. So again, thank you, thank you, thank you so much. We greatly appreciate that. Um we're we're not going to do this on uh, on this segment, and I'm not sure where this is going to come out. Um, if it's uh, going to be after, I don't know. I don't know if it'll be on the main segment as a bonus episode, like a true bonus episode, or if it'll be on Patreon as like a freebie. I'm not sure, but you have. It looks like I think it's only ten, but it feels like there's twenty jars of honey sitting on the table. Yeah, I got <laughs> ten jars of different kinds of honey. You need to be right in front of that mic. Ten jars of different <laughs> kinds of honey. There you go. There we go. Now yeah. I'm back. If you need to, you can move it down if you needed to. No, but, I'm good. Okay. Yeah. So we'll uh, we'll we'll get into that here yep. after a while. That'll come out on something else. But we got some dark honey and light honey and clover honey and and we're gonna try one that. that have you ever tried the almond honey? No, because I've heard that that is like not fit to eat, and well, that is why nobody ever keeps it. It's pretty. Yeah, well, sure. It looks good. Yeah, sure. We'll, we'll see. find out. But yeah, this, we, that's exactly that, right. We're going to find out. This is the only guy that makes almond honey in the United States. Yeah, that's because he's crazy. I don't know. Hey, so on the, on the subject of this, mm-hmm. in a, an extremely last-minute mm-hmm. idea, mm-hmm. Um, I submitted my honey into the Texas Honey Show. Okay. And it was literally... Last minute, because they're technically judging everything right now while mm-hmm. we're recording this. Right. Um, and they're they're doing some samples where we're taking samples from those entries, and we're going to be sending them off to Dr. Ozturk, mm-hmm. and he's going to be doing the bioactivity analysis on them so that he can further his research on the medical properties of honey and find a honey here in the United States that, that is potentially equal to or better than, which technically he already has, uh, Manuka. So... But I, I had to go take extra jars to one of the judges that was then going to travel up because they're doing it up in the, the Fort Worth area. Mm-hmm. And at the last second, I was like, oh, what the hell? I went ahead and filled up two jars and stuck them in the box and put my entry form in there, taped it shut and sent it up there. So we shall see. Um, if I win, obviously, I will tell everybody. And mm-hmm. if I don't, you'll never hear about it again. No. <laughs> it never happened. No. So, is that the guy that we had on the show? Yeah, Dr. Osterk. And he told us that buckwheat was, was yeah, down is, there as it good is, as it's better, actually. He said it was better. Well, yeah, we're he said get, that, try some buckwheat. It's some dark stuff. It's you, pretty dark. You can't see through it. <laughs> no, that's dark. <laughs> no, you can't see through it at all. 
So it is uh, recording date wise. It is October twenty fourth, which is a Saturday, and mm-hmm. it is cold today because we had yep. a cold front come through. Uh, air date wise, this will be coming out on Monday, October twenty sixth, and that it's means get colder. Exactly, that is exactly right. By the time everybody gets this and listens to it, there is another Arctic. I think it's just an Arctic blast or cold front. I don't think they're calling it a vortex like they did last year yeah. yet, yeah. but. It is coming down. It'll come all the way down here to Central Texas, which means those of you up in the northern states, um, buckle up. It's going to get cold. And if you have not already, well, I, by the time you listen to this, I really hope that you've already locked all your hives down for winter. Because for you, winter is basically here. They're talking the panhandle of Texas can actually potentially see snow by Wednesday of this coming week. So it could be it could be pretty bitter, pretty cold. And, you know, you just want to make sure that your hives are, are ready to go and are all buckled down. Um, you've been doing a lot of feeding yes. and uh, trying to make sure that your hives are at they're their growing. winter weight. Damn, they're growing. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I've been doing a lot of feeding. Yeah, they're and, and you're feeding hopefully the at, at the minimum two to one. Yeah. It's a little more than that, probably, but yeah. That's good. That, the the more the merrier if yeah. you can do it safely for yeah, them. I'm doing it. And, and we did talk in the past about, you know, you guys always hear us talk about spring feeding and summer feeding and things like that. And we tell you, you know, do not overfeed, only do one quart every three to four days, a maximum of two quarts a week. But in the wintertime, all bets are off. And that is not what you need to worry about doing in the wintertime. In the wintertime, it is, well, as you approach winter and you're preparing for winter, it is feed them as much as they will absolutely possibly take and get them up to their winter weight as quickly as they can because you're not worried about preserving brood space in the winter. They're going to be shutting down brood production. They're not going to be raising any more babies. So there's no fear for going through and and wanting to do that. So if you go through and you actually feed them and they backfill some of those areas, it's okay. You do want to make sure that they have like at least a comb of open cells to start mm-hmm. with for their, their winter cluster. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're going to be wrapping your hives or insulating your hives, uh, you you want to go ahead and get that done. That is kind of your final stage approach on, on your winter prep is like, all right, they've got their winter weight. We're good. We're not going to be opening them anymore. anymore. Now you go ahead and, and you wrap them, seal them up, close them down. Um, Jacob had asked some questions uh, a couple of weeks ago in regards to opinions on wrapping hives. And apparently, you know, there's a great debate as there is with anything in beekeeping. Mm-hmm. If you look out there online for Facebook and things, uh, it, it gets kind of hostile on people's opinions and viewpoints. But you know that quit playing with your honey. Pay attention. Okay, honey. <laughs> Pay attention. So the, you know, the the political signs, the corrugated cardboard or corrugated plastic. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. So. They make the plastic that plastic stuff. Yeah, they yeah. make that for beekeeping, and they say that you can use it to wrap your hives, and they call it oh, coroplast, bull. right? Bull. So he was talking about how expensive coroplast is, and getting it to to potentially put around the hives is like a wind block to help keep the wind from zapping the heat from the 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 hive itself. Mm-hmm. And that that in theory could work. And and my response was, well, we're in the middle of an election year and there's a ton of political signs out there and most all of them are made out of corrugated plastic. Mm-hmm. So why don't you just, you know, hold off yeah. and go uh go rake you up some signs and and use those to to put around stuff. Once they're done, 
once the, yeah once everybody's been picked and they're free reign uh, whoever's lost somebody needs to clean it up that's Hell right yeah that's right don't leave them set along the side of the road go clean them up so that was one of the options um he had also talked about if you should wrap your hives with just plastic and he was worried that if he did put like plastic sheeting around it black mm-hmm. plastic mm-hmm. that you know would it potentially hold in moisture and cause the wood to mildew or mold or anything like that on the outside of the box? Well, I don't know. That's a good question. And it probably often depends on your environment. Mm -hmm. If it's very moist in your area and you have a lot of humidity or moisture, especially in the winter, then yes, it could do that. And with it being a black plastic, the light shining on it is going to heat it up. And then any moisture trapped in there could condense on the sheeting of the plastic. And yeah, so that could happen. But at the same time, if your hives are treated if you've got a weatherproofing paint on the outside of them, it might hold up a little bit better, mm-hmm. um, but it's it's really hard to tell. What I've done whenever I wrap my colonies, and even even down here where we are, you might be like, well, you know, you guys have a very mild, warm winter. You shouldn't have to necessarily wrap your colonies, but it actually helps if you if you can provide them more insulation to better control the internal temperatures. They'll actually overwinter better because they're. They can stay warmer. They can, yeah, they can stay warmer. And in nature, in a tree, they don't do such a tight cluster that they can't move like they do in our hives. Our man-made Langstroth hives, mm-hmm. and even the the top bars that are made out of the same material, mm-hmm. there's not hardly any insulation to that. Mm-hmm. And so the bees have to cluster very tightly and can't really move around on the really cold days. And that can be a problem or an issue. So. If you go through and you put the insulation on it, what I did is I actually did the the foam core insulation board and it's got the metallic side on one side and paper side on the other. And we put that around the hives and then we used the aluminum tape and mm-hmm. taped the seams. So it became one solid thing all the way around there. And we did that to the hotel hive last year that was up on the roof of the hotel. Mm-hmm. And we'll do it again this year as well, because there's a lot of uh, wind up there that goes through and, and kind of mess with that. But we also wrapped our top bars because for us in February, that's when we lose colonies. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times the top bars will be doing amazing. And then February we'll hit, we'll have this one random cold snap. And it's always when they're already running low on food and they're producing a lot of brood. And then all of a sudden this cold snap hits and there's, there's issues. So we wrapped our top bars last year and we, we did the same thing. We have that solid foam core and you can put those panels up there, cut them to fit. It's very easy. Just use a, a box knife, basically. And you can cut them to fit. And then we use the aluminum tape again to seal all the edges. And we put a piece on the very top of the boards, uh, the bars for the top bar. Now, the biggest problem that we had were wood ants. Got plenty of them. Yeah, we do too out at the main apiary yeah. as well, unfortunately. Obviously, the one up on top of the hotel roof didn't have any problems at all. But out of the main apiary, the wood ants are a pain in the butt. And they see that foam insulation as the perfect nesting material. And they get up in there just like a termite and they chew through the center of that foam board, Mm -hmm. pull it all out. And you can audibly hear it when you walk up towards a hive. You hear, and they're just chewing away in there. Well, on the top bars, they would either do that or they would get underneath it between the bar and the foam board. Mm And then they would put all their eggs and all the ants and everything would be up there. It was such a pain in the butt. So that was a huge disadvantage out in the country for us. But having the insulation on there, all of the top bars made it. We didn't have any losses last year from them, from cold snaps. And so that was that was great. How do wood ants sound? 
if they're chewing on foam core. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> you got to do the hand moves too. Um, yeah, so it was uh, it was kind of a, a I don't know. It, it's just kind of tricky. But I told Jacob that that preferably for myself, I would use the foam core. I would go ahead and just wrap all the way around from literally from just a little bit below the bottom box mm-hmm. all the way up to the top or to the lid, wherever it'll sit flush anyway. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, put the tape around the edges to seal it and just leave a little spot down in the front where your one inch opening should be. Mm-hmm. And then a little spot up at the top where your top venter entrance is. And that's it. The rest of that sucker should be wrapped up. Now he asked if he should put it on top of the lid. And I said, well, you could put it on the underside of the lid, but not necessarily on top of the metal. I would, I would leave the metal top. If you've got a telescoping top, I'd leave that open on its own. Well, I've got a, uh, long line that's made out of two by don't have any bees in it yet. And it's two by rough cedar on the sides and the bottom, the top I'm going to cut, uh, two by eights to sit on top of the, where the inner cover would be. I'll be cutting two by eights, which that'd be what? Seven and a half inches wide or whatever. So where we can take those out and work the bees. And then I have two top, I've got three top bars that are made out of two by. Yeah. But the, but the, but the top bars themselves are one by. So that's what we, when we had lesson here last time I was asking, well, should I do the two by? Can we? So I'm going to be cutting two bys to set on top now. No, I might as well keep them warm. Heck. Well, that's, that's the best scenario that you can do is, replicate those tree cavities mm-hmm. you know they've got a minimum of three inches of wood around them in a tree cavity mm-hmm. and that definitely provides the insulation that they need one of the other things that is a lot of times a concern and this is actually something that it has a place but in our artificial hives and our langstroth hives mm-hmm. it creates conditions that are not normal for the bees and so then you've got to have a lot of counterpoints to go through and try to off balance or offset that one of those is condensation and moisture. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, you hear us talk about stop feeding liquid if your average daytime temperatures are going to be below 60 degrees Fahrenheit or lower. And that's average over the course of, you know, five to seven days or longer. Mm-hmm. If it's going to be down below that and not come back up, don't feed liquid anyway. So if you do, it could add excess moisture because they still have to dehydrate that down to be able to mm-hmm. store it and preserve it. And that adds excess moisture inside the colony. But naturally occurring over the course of winter, there will be moisture in the colony. And by the bees generating heat, it is going to generate some moisture in there as well. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. The bad thing is when the moisture comes straight up to the top and your hive is perfectly level and it pools and condenses and then drips from the top. It starts raining. Straight back down on top of the bees. <laughs> When it does that, it is a very cold rain and it will chill the cluster and can kill the cluster. But they actually need the condensation because it provides a water source for them when they can't leave the colony to go get water to drink. They still need water. So if your hive is angled slightly towards the front, then any condensation that might potentially build up on the roof is going to roll to the front and roll down the Mm sidewalls. When it does that... They can then go to the sidewall, drink those water droplets, bring it back to the cluster and share it if need be, but there's no danger of it raining down on top of the bees. So some condensation is not a bad thing. And a lot of times what they find is that the condensation actually forms around the lower box because the bees, as they move up, 
they're warming up that upper part and the lower part is cooler. So that's where your condensation ends up forming. Mm -hmm. Does it keep moving on you? I guess. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Ken's microphone's slowly wandering away. It's getting a little further and a little further and a little further away. But oh well. So, but yeah, so, so condensation, it is, it is an issue if there is an excess and if your hive is not slightly angled, if you can angle it, that's great. Now on a top bar that can't as easily be done. You know, you can't really, if you tip it, it, it can't be end to end. It has to be on the long face. You can have it angled just slightly, but not a lot. And that's because the gravity running the the direction of the bar is okay, just like when you transport them in a vehicle. But gravity running crossways to the bar will cause them eventually to build comb at mm-hmm. an angle or a slant because they want it to be perfectly perpendicular right. to the ground. Right. So that can be a trick there. And I think what else was uh, part of all that? The other thing is when you do feed, so... Mm-hmm. We talked about this briefly in one other part, but obviously the whole point is to get your colonies ready for winter mm-hmm. and then not have to touch them again until the tail end of winter. Now, right. to do that, the perfect scenario is they have capped food stores, mm-hmm. right? Well, you've been feeding the hell out of them. Right. But so like, for instance, let's use one of your colonies for an example. Mm-hmm. If you've got a deep box full mm-hmm. of bees mm-hmm. and you've got a medium box full of solid capped honey... Mm-hmm. Do you need to put a sugar block on top of that? No. Exactly, because they don't need it. Mm-mm. So it's okay to prepare those things in case you may need it, and then you can immediately go out there and put it on there, but you're not going to need it at the beginning of winter. Mm-mm. They've got all their own natural food at the beginning of winter if you've done your job correctly and allowed them to store and keep enough food. If they didn't have enough food, then you should have been feeding them prolifically like we were talking about mm-hmm. just a little bit ago. They get that in there. They have their cat food stores. They're good to go. Then you turn around and you go and you check them in late December, early January. And if they've burned through all that food, now they need the solid food. But they don't need it in October. They don't need it in November. Mm. Unless that colony is tiny or for whatever reason has zero capped food stores, that's the only time I would give them a solid feed right at the beginning of winter, at the end of fall, beginning of winter. Otherwise, they don't need it. They should have their own food stores there. So, and I do see people online that that, are, that freak out and immediately start doing that and start putting it on the hive. So they send their hive into the winter with, you know, 60 to 100 pounds of honey and then an additional 20 pound block of sugar. <laughs> That's excessive. They don't need that. Uh-uh. You know, you should let them do the natural way first. And if that doesn't work or they run out of it too quickly, then intervene with the dry sugar feed. Okay. What? Whatever. I was just sitting there thinking, well, okay. And then uh, I was just sitting thinking I've got one, one colony that's, well, I really got two colonies that are not taking the, the sugar, the two to one sugar water like they ought to be. But uh, then I've got the rest of them. Oh, I've got one colony. It was a bunch of Italians that I put in. It was one of the packages last year, uh, that we or this last spring that we put in. Uh, it's knocking out. I put a gallon in Tuesday. Then I went and checked them yesterday. Put another gallon in. They had emptied that gallon already in three days. Yeah, they took a gallon of of two to one. Yeah. 
See, that's pretty awesome. Now, on your ones that are not taking it, do you know what question I would ask as a follow-up? Need to open them up and look in there and see what's <laughs> going on. I know what to do. But now, but did they, you do they're it? both small. No, they're both small colonies. <laughs> I know what's the matter. They're small they're colonies. Just, just, yeah, too small. Uh, in fact, I was going to mix the, the bunch of Russians with the cutout, but I've got, I got three colonies that I need to mix. I've got one swarm. That's a big swarm. It would make it on its own now. It's in a brood, uh, eight-frame brood box. It's full of bees. It'll make it without m mixing it. But I'm going to mix that with either the cutout. Max, yesterday we got talking to He said, Dad, why don't you just mix the Russians with the cutout, pull the Russian queen out, put it in the top bar that's the feral, all feral, and then he said, then what we can do is leave that bunch of feral bees that we put the Italian queen in and just let them do their thing. I said, you know, that's not a bad idea. So I don't know. I opened up my, my splits we did earlier this year. Okay. Damn, they're growing. I'm, I, that's all I'll say. They are, you know, we had that one bunch that was, uh, Max had that was, oh, the rock eye that was a feral queen, mm -hmm. had feral bunch of bees. Yep. That was that swarm that we had to catch like multiple Man. times. <laughs> that, that, uh, I think we hurt the colony itself when we did the split. Mm -hmm. Uh, they, we had to, they had to grow their own queen. Well, now we've put a queen in there, and they're, t they're coming on strong. But uh, the the split itself, where we put the old, older queen, they took off. Now Max has taken that out and put a scratch queen in there, and they killed her real quick. <laughs> or and then, but they let her lay some eggs. So what we're doing is going to have a Gen two scratch, and she is a layer. God. See, that's, that is something that was really weird this last year. There were a lot of queen issues all the way across mm -hmm. the board, um, all the way across the country. I heard from different people and experienced myself where the queens either wouldn't take or mysteriously vanished after they were obviously in there and laying. And that happened to you and Max a couple of times. Like, she was there, yeah, she was laying for a couple of weeks, yeah. and then she was just gone. Yep. And... There's been there's been a lot of instances where I have seen that. We actually had a top bar that, again, the normal rules sometimes don't apply, especially when you start adding in climate change and you start adding in, you know, the temperatures not acting the way that they should. Like, for instance, we spent the majority of October in the 90s. Mm-hmm. And we should have been in the upper 70s, lower 80s. But yeah. instead, we were in the 90s the whole time. Yep. And I've been wanting to treat. We've got colonies that we have flagged that we need to treat. And I prefer to use the formic acid. So on the ones that are scheduled for this year to be treated, we've been waiting on a day that is below 85 degrees. But we need seven days in a row. In those first three days, it needs to be below 85 degrees. You ain't going to get this next week. Well, that's the challenge. So for the last three weeks... There's supposed to be a cold front. There's supposed to be a mm -hmm. cool off and it happens, but it only stays cold for a day and then it jumps back up above 85 mm -hmm. degrees or up into the nineties. Yeah, tomorrow's supposed to be 85. Well, right. Exactly. Tomorrow's going to be 85. So our, our last plan was, okay, we're going to wait 
and we're going to treat Sunday evening mm-hmm. because Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, it was supposed to be originally in the 70s. Mm-hmm. Then it changed, and now it's barely going to be in the lower 50s. Uh, Tuesday or Wednesday, we're supposed to it's gonna be, be like it's 43. It's going to be in the 40s. Exactly. Yeah. Well, the temperature constraints on formic acid is you don't use it above 85 and you Mm -hmm. don't use it below 50. So because of our weather, we are going to go polar opposite to where now it's not going to be too hot to treat. It's going to be too cold to treat. Mm -hmm. And it happens literally overnight. Mm -hmm. So that's a huge pain in the butt. But when you have issues like that, you know, in a normal world, the queens and the colonies Mm -hmm. do not try to swarm in the late fall season, because they know the days are getting shorter, it's getting cooler outside, mm-hmm. there's not any foods, of, you know, sources available, so we don't swarm, we don't mm-hmm. leave. And yet, this year, colonies are swarming, because it's still in the freaking 90s, mm-hmm. and they're like, okay, well, you know, we've got a bunch of bees, we're good to go, and, and they try to swarm. So, we had a top bar for one of our con- uh, consultation clients that had a, a really mean, four or five time removed gin queen that had, uh, well... She started off from a local queen breeder, Mm -hmm. and then they replaced her, and Mm -hmm. then they replaced her, and then they replaced her, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) and and they were mean at that point. So we went through, found her, removed her, put in a new queen, and it was an Italian. We put in an Italian queen, went back to check, and they were making swarm cells. These were not emergency cells. They were not in the center of the comb. Mm -hmm. There were eggs in the comb, mm-hmm. and the queen was free, and she was still alive. Mm-hmm. She was at the very front of the hive, right by the entrance on the very last or first comb. <laughs> and she was just hanging out. All the rest of the combs, anywhere where there was a little side queen cup on those those bars and those combs, they went ahead and she laid an egg in it, and they were drawing it out as swarm cells, like honest-to-God swarm cells. Mm-hmm. So we went through and we were like, okay, no, you know, it's, it's at that point, it was the first or second week of October. We were like, that's not going to work. So we made sure the queen was there. And then we cut out every single queen cell in that colony. Mm -hmm. And they were all again in swarm position. So I just went ahead and removed every little potential queen cup that I could find that they could have tried to turn into a queen cell. So hopefully that dissuades them. We also turned the entrance disc to queen exclude and crossed our fingers because, again, we knew a cold front was coming in. Mm-hmm. That should shut down that behavior and, and yep. make them stop. But, yeah, there was just it's really weird whenever you see them accept a queen, allow the queen to stay in there long enough to lay one round of eggs, and then kill her. Get rid of her. Yeah. Yep. That's what- and it's, it's not even that they're swarming because they usually end up making emergency queen cells mm-hmm. as opposed to a swarm cell, and they just kill her and start over. And... Sometimes that could just be because they don't like her smell. They don't like, you know, the genetic aspects of her. Um, But part of that also could be that they want queens that are of a very specific lineage. And usually that selection has to be made from the egg. Mm -hmm. And they will go through and specifically choose certain eggs that have that lineage that is usually coming from the drone, which comes directly from a queen, obviously. Um, and they will turn that into a queen, but those eggs are usually not allowed to be workers. They don't find those lineages and workers very often, but they find them in the Queens all the time. When we go through and we mass produce and breed Queens and we graft, we're selecting whatever egg we can find at the right age range. 
and we're putting them into cells and putting them into an orientation that makes them turn them into queens no matter what. But that doesn't mean that that would have been a good candidate for a queen. And so I wonder if that's not part of the problem. We have all these queens and they're fully mated and they're fine, but from a genetic base level profile, the colony is like, you are subpar. So we're going to let you go long enough so that we have an option and some genetic material to work with, and we're going to create a better queen. And so they off her and start making emergency queen cells. I can see that. We had one colony that we requeened. It was one of the swarms that we got earlier this year that we'd been feeding, and they got they got big. And we opened them up just to look. We were going to put the queens in. I, you remember when Max called you and I called you? Yeah. And we found three queen cups in there, and that was with the 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 feral queen still in there. So we opened all them up and busted them all, and then we just put the the took the feral queen out and put the queen the Italian. It was an Italian OHB Italian, just like yours. Uh, we put the queen in there in the box and didn't open it. Just left it in there. Is that the one you uh, left in there for, for, like, for like nine days? Yeah, nine or ten days. Which was excessive. And But they didn't kill, you know, but they kept her alive. So uh, then we opened it up and started looking. It was going to open her up and let her out. And we found two more uh, queen cups. Yeah. And busted them, let, left her in there another three or four days. And then open it up, and they love her. Yeah, well, that's so. good that it ultimately ended up that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it can be it can be really weird. And this this whole year, I mean, in everything, that's weird. Twenty twenty, you know, you hear them say it on TV and everything else. It was a dumpster fire, um, just a very bizarre year. It was bizarre for the pandemic and health and safety. It was bizarre weather. It was just bizarre all the way around. Um, lots of challenges in every aspect of everyone's lives. And the beekeeping world was was no different. There's been some really weird things that yes, we have seen have. this year that we haven't ever seen before. And it just makes it challenging. Um, hopefully, things, you know, kind of eventually level back out at some point. But I don't know. I think they will. Sure. We'll figure it so. out. We'll figure it out. And they'll figure it out. And- It'll go to raining. And then next year, we're going into La Nina, which is drier than normal here. But now, I thought north, that was this year. Well, no. I thought we were already in La, La we're Nina. We're in the La Nina now, but we're going to have it next spring. Uh, so it's just starting. So next spring's going to be drier. Rude. Yeah, next spring's going to be dry. So, but I'm going to have some well, October. Big damn colonies of bees. You hope. You, you don't know. Don't you know have to, you, anything can happen over winter. You I have gotta, no idea how your colony is going to well, be coming out of winter. Got to go shake a bunch of bees and see what kind of mite troubles I got. Getting a little late to do that, but yeah. Yeah. You need we'll to do feed it. feed the hell out of them then. You, well, no, you still need to do it. You got to know. Because that way, you know, at the very least, you know, this colony went into winter with no mites and it died. What happened? Or this colony went into winter with 35 mites and it died. Well, duh. You know, yeah. you, you got to know what, what's going on so that you can actually understand what occurred and how to fix it. Um, coming out of winter, 
Nobody's going to have, you know, massive strong colonies at the end of, of January. They will start building up at that point, and you can encourage them to build up and become strong by the time winter ends. So that's kind of the goal there. But you never can, you know, you don't, you don't count your chicks before they've hatched kind of scenario. Mm-hmm. You never can tell until the day actually comes to, to know which colonies are going to make it, which ones aren't, and if they're going to be weak or strong or kind of what will happen with that. So it's just uh, do the best you can preparation-wise and hope that they're all ready to go and, and tucked in and check in on them from time to time and intervene if you need to. And oh, tuck them in. Good. Tuck them in. Tuck them in. Do we need to be turning our reducer boards to the one inch and... Do we need to be put taking the the uh, vented top cover off, inner, inner cover off, and put the one that's not vented in? No. Um, well, so it depends on where you're at, honestly. Mm-hmm. For us down here, it doesn't necessarily matter. Um, if you have the the regular solid inner cover mm-hmm. and you put that in there, mm-hmm. as long as, as we talked about earlier, as long as your hive is tilted a little bit, mm-hmm. then any condensation will run down the sides instead of dripping on your bees, and it's not necessarily a big deal. In states that are further north or that get a lot of snow, mm-hmm. they need a top entrance because the snow will cover and block the bottom entrance and the bees will have no way out. So you've got to have that top entrance for that purpose right. in the further northern states. But as far as your bottom entrance, yes. We are now going into, you know, the, the winter dearth yep. and food's going to start becoming scarce. Robbing can become an issue. Oh, yeah, already um, is. Exactly. And so you want to go through and you want to reduce the entrance to the smallest thing to guard. And it also reduces the amount of airflow and drafts that come into the hive, you know, because a draft has a really long neck and you don't want them trying to get inside the hive. Um, yeah. <laughs> drafts. Yeah. Draft. So anyhow, you've... Uh, you should switch your entrances to that one inch. Now, one of the little tricks that some beekeepers do is on that board, instead of having the one inch entrance facing down to where the the opening is touching the bottom board, mm-hmm. they flip it so that it's facing up and the bottom, quote unquote, is touching the, the bottom of the hive. The reason for that is if, because bees will die throughout the, I've got the hiccups. <laughs> oh, so they can take the bees out. Well, no, no, no. Bees will die throughout the winter. Right. And if there's a cold snap and a mass die-off happens and they all fall straight down, sometimes they will pile them in places or they'll fall yeah, seen that. and they can block that entrance and then the bees can't get out. Again, if you've got an upper entrance, they still have a way out and you're okay. But if they only have one entrance and it's at the bottom, by turning that board up, it helps prevent it from getting blocked if something's laying on the ground mm-hmm. in front of her on the bottom okay. board in front of it. Okay. So that is just one little trick that can be done with that. But, but yeah, it's, uh, it's that time. If you have not already done so, you need to do so. Get it done. Get them wrapped up. Get them locked down. Make sure their food stores are where they need to be. Um, th- this is literally your final chance. And winter is... Basically here. No, winter is coming. I don't think it's coming. I think it's, it's here. here. Be here tomorrow yeah. anyway. Ding dong. It's damn chilly out there right now. Me running around shorts. Are you in shorts? Yeah. I need to see. That's how awake I am. <laughs> I didn't even <laughs> realize. <laughs> oh, gracious. Well, on that note, uh, maybe to wake us up, we can, uh, we can try some of these honeys and get a sugar high going on here. So we are going to wrap this up and uh, we're going to have ourselves a little honey tasting here. 
So everybody, I hope that you had a great weekend and I hope you have a great week to come. And again, last chances, get out there, check your bees, figure out what needs to be done. Um, plan for that next warm day to get any of the last minute bee work you need to in and accomplished and don't procrastinate or put it off because you're running out of time. Yeah. I need to do a mic check. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Is that my, am I running out of time? Yep. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, I thought it might be. And then uh, also be sure to t- check in on what – are we going to do the honey tasting? Is that going to be a bonus or is that going to be on – It's not going to be on this episode. I don't know what it's going to be on. Because we got to find out what John starts spitting and sputtering when he tries this almond honey. Uh-huh. Okay. <laughs> and then we got some buckwheat honey and we got orange blossom honey. Is that sound – is that – Orange Blossom Honey, we're going to play Orange Blossom Special when we go to taste in the Orange Blossom Honey. Eric's not here to cue up cute songs for us, so no. <laughs> and we got Cranberry, and we got Blueberry. If we mix the two, would that be like a, uh, a, 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 a uh, Cranberry and Blueberry, mm. mix that together? Well, that would be perfect for Thanksgiving. <laughs> Cranberry, blueberry, honey. Yeah, Ken has a really hard time saying goodbye. (laughs) (laughs) And then buckwheat. That is some black stuff. Dang, that's dark, honey. Okay. Are we done? Just waiting on you. Are we supposed to be saying, (laughs) bye, family. Y'all be good. Stay safe. Thank you, family. Stay warm. Do the social distance. Wear the mask. Y'all be good. Go vote. It's time for our guys to buzz off but don't fret the hive jive journey continues with new episodes mondays every month until then you can follow along with the guys on facebook and instagram at the hive jive thanks for listening and be safe out there